It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from anywhere but our wedding here <laughs> in 2019. I am Kenny Nybart, one of your hosts. I'm Phyllis Gove. And today with us we have Alex Amin. She sure. is a agent at WME. Very <laughs> fancy in production. Uh, I believe, Alex, you are our first agent. Yeah. Get out of here. It's uh, true. Is that true? true? That's yeah, true. Yeah, we've had some execs. Yeah, we've had, we've had, well, we had Haley. So she was technically an agent before she was an executive. But she's an executive. Well, she's now an executive. That's so what I was go. thinking of when, we, yeah. when I said we've had some execs. We've had Allison. Allison Akel. Um, not an agent either. Yeah, an, yeah. Ex- an exec. Exactly. Yeah. But we've never had, had an agent. This is our before. first agent. Wow. So what's yeah. it like being an agent? Yeah. By the way, previous uh, alums of the podcast, like I said, 99, very good friends, Haley being one of them. Indeed. Greg's brother. Greg's brother. Greg's brother. Yes, yes. I love Greg's brother. Carrie Gologly. Yes, Carrie Gologly. Who I had dinner with last week. Oh, yeah? And needed her, like, prep. (laughs) Oh, what did she say? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, did she she have any bad things to say? I don't know how much Carrie likes me after. Oh, I don't think she dislikes you. She likes Mr. Human, I think. But we kind of went after There was a little bit. There was a little bit of. I think that that made her love you even more, actually. Carrie likes a fight. Yeah. So many great guests. We've had a lot of great guests. Yeah, people have been willing to mix it up. And Alex, I hope you're among them because. Kenny has thoughts about the no, world. I don't. I don't have. I, Do I'm, I'm cer- it's, a, it's a weird movie. I'm certainly. I'm very compelled, and it was one of the first things I said to Phil. Was I'm very compelled to figure out why you chose this movie and why this movie stuck with you? Mm-hmm. Um, because I know this has been something you wanted to do for a while, like oh, since yeah. you've heard about the podcast, more or less. Right? I would also oh, say yeah. too that 
you're not alone in this. Like I've spoken to people that have a real love and affinity for this film. I had not seen it before this, so I didn't. Nor had I. I, I really came into it solely thinking, oh, this is some sort of a, you know, three yeah. guys. I honestly don't even think I knew what it was about. Truthfully, right. I'm not even sure I knew what the title meant. Like I just came into this totally blind. And I had a similar thing when I left the film, just wondering, because, I mean, yeah. but I it's kind more, of a dude movie, I guess is the point of I knew more so than you little, did. Right. Okay, I didn't. Because I, didn't I knew that this was a, the best man came out this year also. Correct. Tay Diggs is in two movies about getting married. Or not getting married. Or not getting married <laughs> in the same year. Right. I knew that the best man kind of took place on one timeline. I knew the wood looked back at the childhood of other people. I didn't uh, know that childhood of like I'm sorry their their own child coming of age right. and it kind of I I did I didn't know the tone of it I didn't know if it was Sleepers or The Sandlot or <laughs> yeah. American those are two Pie. very different films and it turns out to be all of those movies kind of in the, in their in its own way but yeah let's ask that question that we asked in the beginning so what is it about the wood that uh, well first of all born and raised in L A so a even though I didn't grow up in Inglewood there is when you watch this film, you feel just in a like you feel like it's a part of you. you know, sure, you're like, sure. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like that's what my that's what my elementary school looked like. Okay, okay. You know, like that's okay. what you know, kids walking around with basketballs and like yeah. you know, just uh, so you saw out this on the play. firsthand. You just you f- you know, I felt I, I don't know. Okay, so. Was it nostalgic? So I don't remember if I saw this film. I'm. I know I didn't see it in the theater. Okay. I don't know if it was a shortly after rental release, like a block blockbuster rental. But it definitely was like a VHS viewing in my friend's, <laughs> you know, like basement. Like definitely, we were like, oh, let's watch this. We've heard it's good, and I believe that was after I might have seen one of my all-time favorite films, Love and Basketball, mm-hmm. which, you know... Which I had not seen until recently and also agree is a yeah, fantastic film. Fantastic film. It's, also, isn't it crazy? It took like 15 uh, years crazy. for people to realize like Gina, Prin- Gina Prince Blood the Wood yeah. is like good at this. Yeah. 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 You know? Like what, do, what does she have to do <laughs> yeah. in order I to mean, be... Yeah. That. She had to do Love and Basketball. Like that should have been the end of that story. Exactly. Yeah. And then what... It took like like literally 15 years for the... What was the Google uh, about? Beneath the Lights? Yeah, for that to get Beyond made. Beyond the Lights or something like that? It took yeah. forever. Right. And she couldn't get funding to do it. And right. now, I mean, now she's, well, you know, but she, didn't A-list, she do, there was one, was it Sister of the Traveling Pants? Or it was, did it she was. Do Akeela, there, did she do Akeela in the Bee? Maybe she did Akeela in the Bee. It, look it up. There yeah, was, I'm looking it up right But now. there was another, like, kind of coming of age film that she had directed. Or maybe she wrote. But there was something in between. But P, she didn't really have the, the, um, Reputation she has now, right? Secret until life beyond the secret life, life of bees, bees yeah. until beyond the lights, right? And now she's yeah. you know, right? Which I actually would say, beyond the lights isn't even anywhere near as good as Love and Basketball. Like Love and Basketball is a classic, is an amazing, movie. It's, it's fantastic. It's a really really good movie. It's crazy yeah. to look at her credits and see how, to your point, how long it takes her. You know, she does some TV. She does a Bernie Mac, Girlfriends, mm-hmm. Everybody Hates Chris. But it takes oh, it takes a while. And then she does Secret Life of Bees in 08. And then it's still like, it's still I'm another saying. six years yeah. until she can get but uh, Beyond the Lights Up. This kind of, this this is the point of, I think, why I was really drawn to this film, which was these were voices that weren't being, yeah. that weren't 
you know, nobody was listening to, nobody was making. Mm-hmm. And it stood out when you watch something that what, I mean, similar to Love and Basketball, and I am sure that this is in all the reviews because it's probably the most glaring, uh, you know, identity of this story, is that it's about a middle class, not poor, not, you know, kids mm-hmm. not in gangs, just like middle class yeah. uh, black families in Inglewood, Compton, uh, Baldwin Hills, I think, in uh, Love and Basketball, mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, yeah, these are, these are, these kids are like me. Like, that's how well, I felt when I was younger. And even though I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not black, but that was, you know, you felt there was some affinity there, you know? It's interesting you should say that because uh, I'm going to read a portion of Roger Ebert's review because it does tap into that. He says, The Wood is a sweet, lighthearted comedy about three friends who stick together from high school until a wedding day. Nothing unusual about that, but these are African-American characters and Hollywood seems incapable of imagining young black men who are not into violence, drugs, and trouble. The black middle class, millions of Americans, is generally invisible to movie makers who retell negative images of life in the hood, often for the entertainment of suburban kids, white, black, whose lives are completely mm-hmm. different. And I, I, I think that that's... Right. A really, really good point, and I think a reason why this film unfortunately stands out. Um, and there's right. hopefully, you know, we'll see more and more films made of that of that because it is just perpetuating stereotypes. So, it, it in that respect, I I found this film refreshing in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in 1999, where were you? You were here. I was here. I was in. I was a freshman in high school. Okay. Do you remember the films that you saw in '99 that you loved? Okay. Ten things I hate about you, obviously. It comes every fucking time. It's crazy. People <laughs> love Ten Things I Hate About You, and we unfortunately have an episode on Ten Things I Hate About You that does not love that movie. We are gonna have to do it. Again. We're gonna have to do it again. Somebody doesn't love Ten Things I Hate About You. Ashley Lyle does not like Ten Things I Hate I, About You. We all kind of just. It was a weird. We were a little episode. negative. So well, not me. I was just sitting here being like. Yes, I, I gotta roll with this. But <laughs> classic Kenny. Yeah, no, I got like always rolling with gotta things. be. That's me. I just yeah. go with the flow. But um, <laughs> but I think we will have to repodcast it. I think we do too. I do. I mean, I there's got to be not just to yeah. appease the fans, but just because we didn't see that side of it. I think we came at it from a very we were very critical of it, mm-hmm. maybe unjustly critical of it. And I think I'd like we need to, to see the other side of and it. And I'd like to not do that with this movie <laughs> because okay. no, I, yeah. I I feel like. There are, there are two sides to this this point we're making right now. On one side, I have a lot of respect for what uh, the director, Rick Fumiyiwa. Fumiyiwa. Fumiyiwa was doing. To me, to me, he was very clearly trying to demystify Englewood and the area he grew up in. And up to this point, it had only been depicted as... Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society, right. Juice, um, those kind of movies, right? right. Sure. And I think, uh, I, th- I think for the great majority of people, you know, that I'm guessing, but I assume for a great majority of people who live in those neighborhoods, um, that may be partially true, but that's not the whole story. Yeah. And the rest right. of the story is never told. So I think that that's in and of itself very worthwhile. And I think it accomplishes what you're talking about in terms of setting a time and place and making it feel like, you know, this is something I can relate to, but all great movies should be something you can relate right. to. I can relate to a lot of what happens in Boys in the Hood too. Um, on the flip side, 
I have a lot of like issues with this movie from just a filmmaking standpoint. Like I, you know, obviously right. he went on to do dope. He's right. had a very interesting career. Yeah, yes. which is like to which me I can't the wait really to get into. It's yeah. like the really good version of this movie, dope. Right. Um, and it was. It's the, funny. I I feel the opposite. I you, feel do like you? dope is the. Oh, I like dope. Oh, I I I love dope too, but I feel like there is so much more authenticity and and sincerity in the wood. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so. Rick was. I, this was his first film out of USC film school. This was young, right? Yeah, he's really this was young. the wood. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was the story he had really been wanting to tell. And I think that Rick, at least from my perception of his career, seems that he, you know, I think went on to do Brown Sugar. He went on to write, talk to her, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and started getting into like the studio system. He wrote those. He didn't direct those. Oh, he did direct Brown Sugar. My he apologies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that he got further and further away from. Yeah. So, I think Dope was his way of going back to his roots and kind of, in a way, recycling a lot of the stories of the wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also you know, learned a lot visually. Like as a filmmaker, well, I feel like he, he's yeah. just you know what I mean. He kind of, yeah. I have truth be told, when I saw Dope when it was in theaters a couple years ago. I had not seen The Wood, obviously, and I, I truthfully had not seen any of his other films. And I was really just taken with how visual and how arresting mm-hmm. and how he just – there was a real energy to his – to that, that film. That's how I felt, too. And, and I was dope. really excited about yeah. that. And I was like – and then, you know, yeah. he was attached I mean, to The Morrison Flash shut, recently. Shut oh, I mean, sure. let's exactly. like not forget. Right. Like, it's, it's interesting to see, like – it's you know he's attached to the flash briefly at mm-hmm. warner brothers yep. and like there's a lot of people that see understandably a lot of potential in him as a filmmaker he's doing an episode of the mandalorian now and he you created know, the shy he created with, Lena Waithe. With, with Lena Waithe. like he's he's a right. very interesting filmmaker um so it's 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 fascinating to see sort of and i never saw confirmation which he directed as well i haven't either so he's just it's it's the real breadth to to yeah. to to him and this is an interesting flashpoint. It's an interesting starting point. Yeah. I, I and I think that to your point, there's a sort of a subversion mm-hmm. of preconceived notions about that area of this right. city, and 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 that he's going out of his way to subvert that, which I think is really commendable and interesting. I do think that it is funny that I, as a production agent, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. am reviewing this film because visually it is. Nothing. Yeah, no, this is really I mean, not much it's, yeah. you know, I think yeah. if they had iPhones when they made this, it would have looked better. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's it's not a particularly interesting film to look at visually. And you also think of it's pretty sort low of budget, these, though, it's, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, it's not that low budget. It's not that, I mean, the, what did it, was it six, six million? million? Six yeah. million. Right. It's not nothing. It's, it's, it's not yeah. nothing. It's not yeah. nothing. It's true. Um, and it doesn't look like nothing. Yeah. You know, because they're not shy about, shooting exteriors mm-hmm. they're not shy about you know making the period look like the period so there are a lot of mm-hmm. things i could tell kind of where the money went i agree but all the present day stuff looks pretty bad and i'm sure that they had yeah. to pay those actors like this, yeah tay diggs omar epps like they were well this this brings me to sort of the thing that i was the most surprised about as i watched this film which is i look at that poster and i'm assuming that those guys are what this movie is about and the movie's right. not really about those guys. Right. The right. movie is a, is is about the kids and the them kids. growing up. Um, it's which really is the heart of the film. Sort, yes, very much. I mean, even just from a screen time perspective, it's it's two to one in at terms least. of at least. So I was a little surprised about that. Mm-hmm. 
not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but those guys are really, you know, they're movie stars for all intents and purposes. Right. And to not spend the majority of the film with them, I was a little bit, a little disappointed. Uh, It's not so much for me that I was disappointed. I'm almost disappointed the other way. (laughs) I love Tate. I mean, I love Omar Epps to some extent. I love Tate Dix, Mm -hmm. right? Like I love him to this day. And I think he brings something that not a lot of people bring. Um, That being said, it's kind of easy to sit here and say, why do you need the framing device? You know, to right. me, and, and it's a little confused because the the framing device, the present day is Tay Diggs' story. The, the childhood story is Omar Epps' story. Mm-hmm. And they don't really speak to each other that much. Yes. I would have preferred just seeing the kids. Now, I want to make another point, which is like, yeah, I like the idea of it being something as mundane routine but also uh consequential and momentous as a wedding like i get why they're doing that too i get Mm -hmm. it's kind of this it's it's the same counterpoint thing like every movie about uh essentially these neighborhoods in the 90s is about death and crime and this is about you know union and Marriage and friends Friendship. and community and rites of passage and right. all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I I I feel like that's part of it. Yeah. But like the, you know the, the the secret sauce is the coming of age, and they short shrift it with this third of the movie that's spent the present day. You know, in that I saw this film when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you watch it then. I'm sure I loved those kids and felt like that. But that you know using the device. You, from a structural standpoint, do we need to see them, you know, in their probably mid-20s getting – we probably don't need it. But as now a mid-30-year-old, it is a little bit more of an entryway into kind of this – That's true. This sort of like nostalgia for my youth through them seeing – you know, th- vis-a-vis their youth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I can connect with a lot of the things that – their, you know, a lot of their fears that they're that they've grown into as you know, young adult males, right? Like I, you know, we see Omar Epps maybe regretting letting go of Alicia and letting her go to New York, and kind of thinking about was she the love of my life? And you know, Tay Diggs, like realizing I might have to leave my best friends in order to be with this woman, but that's, that's my life's future, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, there's like a sadness to it when you look back at how close they were when they were young and that that's kind of life, you know, you get older, you get pulled apart a little bit and, and there's like, yeah, I I, I see that for sure. I mean, I think that you know, it's it's interesting that it's I I don't really know whose story it is. Is it Mike's story or if it's Roland's story? There's times where I feel yeah. like And like what happened to Slim's story? Like where, Slim's story where's, just, yeah. just isn't there. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, of Slim that. is like the is token it? black guy of the <laughs> just, A little bit. A little bit. Like there's just this very sort of they don't there's a little dissonance, I guess, in terms of the way that the the flashbacks or, I mean, however you want to call it, are sort of doled out a little bit. Because there's a part of me that's like, okay, Roland, it's his wedding day. In mm-hmm. theory, yeah. it should be his story, right? But it's not really. It's Mike's story. And then on top of that, the kids don't look anything like their their 
adult counterparts as well, which I found slightly jarring at times, just because there was just a lot of stuff oh, in it that it was just like a timeline. It's impossible to find anyone who looks like Tay Diggs. <laughs> that's true. right. Because he's so beautiful. He's, <laughs> he's the most beautiful man that's ever been. flawless. So. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he's just, he really is a stunning said, individual. Yeah. They did really Guys, I, really I sure. mean, this might be, this might be, I mean, this in large part is because of basketball, but uh-huh. I go Omar Epps like every <laughs> single time. He is very good in the uh, basketball. Those like brooding puppy dog eyes. They're like, doing oh, different oof. things. They're doing different things. <laughs> they are doing different they're things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I get, like, of course. Of, of course. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those things. But where, then those Tay Diggs, like pearly whites. So when, like, yeah. oh, he just flashes yeah. that smile, you're like, you And the melts. dimples. It's just, hey, like, he's just like, a very good He's like a model. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah. he's like, yeah. he's like a, that's like a model face there. But, you know, Omar Epps is. Has played a romantic lead. This is our right, second right, of, of three Tay Diggs movies in '99, I believe. Uh, well, we had Go, we had Go, and we have this, oh, and then we have so the Best good. Man. Best Man, oh, yeah. Yeah. Best man is so, so good. Um, I'm going to give a synopsis of the Wood. Mm. Um, Three old friends, Mike, played by Omar Epps, Roland, played by Tay Diggs, and Slim, played by Richard T. Jones, recount memories of their shared childhood in Inglewood, California, as they prepare for Roland's wedding to his fiancée, Lisa, played by Lisa Ray. When the groom goes missing without a word, Mike and Slim struggle to find their nervous friend and return him to his impatient bride before the wedding begins. Along the way, they continue to swap stories about lessons learned during their awkward teenage years. The Wood was released on July 16th, 1999 in sixth place with $8.5 million. It would go on to make $25 million on a $6 million budget. The Wood has 61% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 92% from audiences. I wrote all those reviews. <laughs> that is maybe the biggest gap I think we've seen thus far. Wow. Which we're I think. Interrupted was that. But that, this just goes to yes. show like. We did three movies today that were all b- much bigger huge, audience movies. Huge audience than critics movies than critics. Movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. The, that disparity does not surprise me because visually it's nothing. Right. Uh, I mean, down to like breaking up the fourth wall, like cheap yeah, little, like, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. These little tropes that you just like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just goes to show that I don't think audiences, they're willing to see past that when they're, when, when they feel like they've lived a life similar feel, to these Yeah. People. And you're like so connected to it. You know, the ending of the film ends on such a heartfelt moment. You know, the best man's speech and they toast to the wood. I mean, literally, I'm getting chills. You know, and you just have these three friends of... You know, you you feel like you have experienced their, their childhood, their friendship, and, like, the scary moments, you know... Stacy, the, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the gang member, they get pulled right. over by the cops with like, you know, an older brother. Well, it's interesting. Cause like the, this is the, the movie is quite nimble in the way that it bounces between tones yeah. as well, you know, and it, it doesn't stand on any landmines in terms of tropes, in terms of, again, stereotypes, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It almost plays with your expectations in a lot of ways. You know, when that, when he comes right. in to rob the convenience right. store, that scene plays pretty funny but at first it starts right. off as jarring and he's playing to all of that it's it's yeah. it's very well done in that respect and i would also say too to your point and to this discrepancy if you want to call it that between critics and audiences i think it's an example of how movies are so experiential that it's right. it's the type of thing where you want to see yourself on that screen and when you do it just i mean it's right. that's what this is all about right you know and i love that rick wasn't trying to shy away from the realities of growing up in Inglewood. You really feel like 
he is one of these kids. Like, I don't know which one he is, but he is one of them for sure. Even just the discussion of like Bloods and Crips, it's like, that was real. I mean, growing up in LA, I remember if you wore blue, and I didn't even live in South Central, but it was like, if you wear blue, it associates something. If you wear red, it's the other. And like, be careful. And, you know, that he didn't not put that in there. Right. You know, he wasn't trying to paint this flowery picture. But he didn't shine a bright light on it either. He didn't shine a bright light on it. But I think that, I, I think that that is probably his experience. Yeah. Like, that was growing up in Inglewood. To that point, I think that's, I think these are all really, these are all really good points. I think that's a really good point. I, did not grow up in a dangerous neighborhood, but um, I spent time around dangerous people because I'm a tough guy. And um, <laughs> no, I mean, you just, I definitely see that from as, your girl intentions. Should I wear? As a, well, look, I mean, I'm not to get too deep into my experience uh, in life, but like my my history has taken me into corners that uh, that are less than savory, and. Um, might have not. Almost never. <laughs> I'm sheltered. Right, almost never did I actually feel threatened. Now, th- I'm talking about, you know, 30 instances in my life where I was in a place where I felt like, eh, if this goes wrong or that goes wrong or this goes wrong or that goes wrong, I could be in a bad situation. For For Rick, it seems like it was probably almost every day. To that point, he probably even feels it less than I felt in those 30 moments. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even feel it that strongly. That's just the reality of life for them. I respect that. Like, it's it, the, the scene in the convenience store was getting robbed. There was a little bit of heightened tension, yeah. a little bit, but it's not played the way it would be played. Like, for instance, um, Blue well, Streak. Blue Streak's an amazing movie. But Blue Streak, but but yeah, for, for Blue which Streak, has a, it, which has a convenience store hold, it has a convenience store hold up. That's just a goof. That's yep. just a goof. Yep. Or conversely, in like um, you know, Boys in the Hood, it does kind of feel like the world is ending mm-hmm. when right. when you get into that kind of stuff. And I don't think that for your kind of rank and file citizens, it felt like the world was ending. Right. I think that in fact, again, I've known people who've dealt drugs in my life. I never felt like those people were going to kill me, ever. Period. Right. I always, right. I always felt like they were just another part. They were just another, or here he was just another person in my life. And I think that's that probably how they felt about Stacy. Yeah. In right. fact, I almost feel like the scene where Stacy beats the shit out of him is the one that's a little out of character. Right. right. You right. know, like I think it's more that Stacy's like, yeah, I'll give you right home. I love. Stacy. Yeah, Stacy is the actor's great too. The actor. Did you read up on him? No. On, he apparently um, he went to prison for manslaughter for ten years. He served ten years sentence Before, for killing, uh, I guess, his aunt's uh, boyfriend or something. Okay. Um, so he shortly after the wood went away, mm-hmm. went oh. to prison, and was in. He was in dope. He came out and Rick still That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? I love that. But he he is such a he is such a crucial character to this film because he's you know in a way he rep- this we watch these three boys coming of age and dealing with you know what is a like masculinity and manhood yeah. and you know what that looks like to them and Stacy kind of represents this 
this alpha male a version of what, aver- yeah, yeah. yeah of what that should be, and that they are that is not who they are, and they yeah. are scared of him. Yeah, I love that the kids are very sort of like they're insecure, they're kind yeah. of nerdy, like they're 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 just. They're kids, you know what I mean? They're just only kind of, right? And I like that too. And you see that Stacy is also a kid too. Absolutely. Like when that cop pulls up and he, you know, you see his, like they're all There's a vulnerability to all these characters that I think is really, really quite lovely. They're all kind of, you know, there's that show, The Inbetweeners. Mm -hmm. And people don't make enough shows about Mm Inbetweeners because that's where I think so many of us landed, like in high school. They're Inbetweeners. Yep. I agree. You know? Um, so a little piece of trivia that I love that I found out is that uh, Rick wrote this screenplay while working full time at the Beverly Hills Nike Town. So oh right my God, in right the beneath that we all worked at. Oh, that's crazy! We yeah. were all assistants. We at were all UTA assistants together. at UTA in that building. So oh my God, know, pretty wow. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, which I think is fun. That's amazing. Yeah. By the also, time we were all assistants, he was probably repped there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. That's fair. Um, Um, But yeah, I think that that's, that's I I think that's really funny. I think there's also, you know, we've talked about this. And in fact, the last movie we covered, which was 200 cigarettes is also an MTV films film. RIP. Which is, yeah, doesn't exist anymore. This was their big year. This was a big year for them. They had election. They had this, they had 200 cigarettes and and varsity blues. Varsity blues. Oh my God. Varsity blues. You know, so you've got four drastically dissimilar films for all intents and purposes, all in very different tones. Um, but, you know, it's it's a shame that they don't exist anymore because they were doing some really interesting stuff with characters at a certain place. And the MTV of it all now makes sense to me as to why they would want to make this in just in terms of the, the, the mm-hmm. young storyline. You know what I mean? Right. The fact that, which the dissonance in my brain is why did you market this with those three guys in the poster and not incorporate the kids or, or in some way show that well, like, I think it also, it was, I mean, this was the time, right? The time yeah. of movie stars, yeah. you know, f- giving you the money. I mean, I, this, this goes back to the budget. I'm sure that they, I'm sure that when they got maybe that second attachment, I'm sure that one attached, right. which let the other attach. And so then mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, we'll give you $6 million. I'm sure that they were planning to go make this film for a million dollars. I imagine like, that was the case. Yeah. yeah. So that, uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine that it came together in any other way. I can't imagine that they were, that they were like, look, bottom line, we oh, need yeah. $6 million to make this. Film. No, there's no, qu- I, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. And the stuff maybe that Kenny was pointing out is what makes it, makes it more expensive, right? Yeah. Exterior shooting, you know, there was no, uh, you know, poor man's processing. This was all, right. you know, cars on the back of trucks. I mean, it's, it right. ultimately becomes more expensive. Um, you know, and like, yeah. I just want kind of to MTV's credit, I guess, if you can do this. <laughs> um, MTV was kind of built on the on the backs of black music, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't especially really, at this time. Yeah, right. And, and at this time, it was pretty much either black or black influenced music for the most part. And then there's, you know, kind of famously, they didn't even play a music video by a black artist until thriller. Um, so that's like what, that's a, a pretty good chunk of their, of their lifetime where they wouldn't even kind of acknowledge black music. But yeah, at this point it really right. is primarily hip hop. That's uh that's being played on MTV. Right. So they did have a few movies before 99 um, they had Joe's apartment, Beavis and Butthead, which is kind of its own thing. Joe's apartment, I remember that. And uh, and Dead Man on Campus. 
But they wound up <laughs> making a bunch of a bunch of movies oh, starring black actors and by black filmmakers. So after this, they made the original King of Comedy, Kings of Comedy, oh, which was their first so comedy good. movie. They made Save the Last Dance. They made Pootie Tang. Oh, Save the Last Dance. Save the Last Dance. Um, they, <laughs> Pootie, Tang. Pootie Tang was first like, movies. I mean, Pootie, what a life that movie has lived, you know? <laughs> Five lives. <laughs> what a life. Maybe it'll come back one day. Who knows? But we should do yeah. the Pootie Tang TV a, series. You do a five-part podcast on public perception of <laughs> Pootie, Pootie Tang. Tang. <laughs> but now it's kind of at its nadir. Yeah. Um, so they, they – and you know they even made Better Luck Tomorrow, which yes, yes, was, oh. um, that was a big that was a big deal. Maybe fight, Fighting Temptation. So making movies for black audiences by black filmmakers starring black stars was kind of something they did as well. That really wasn't happening at the majors. That I, I would be interested to know who else was doing it because I can't imagine there were many others. Virtually no one, <laughs> right? Especially now, this is not the case with this movie either. But virtually no one was putting black actresses in leads. Oh, yeah. Now, sure. in 1999, we know this firsthand. I don't think there's one movie with a black actress above the title this entire year. And we're doing like 250 of them. We just did Girl wow. Interrupted that had Whoopi Goldberg. She wasn't even, she, she was like the and. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't even know if Angela Bassett had a movie this year. And the fact I could basically so, name the smart. prominent black actresses that could have done it in and around this time period. I think. Uh, Stella got her. How Stella got her group back was the year before, mm-hmm. and you know there okay. was like like Whitney Houston's had a few and, and like waiting to exhale, waiting to exhale exactly. Sure. Soul food, S- soul food. Wasn't set it up. Was, was that when was set that? Set it up was this year with Tay Diggs, but <laughs> you're talking about set <laughs> the it, Netflix set film. It, set it off. Set one it of off. You know ever. But yeah, I mean, Jada Pinkett didn't have a movie above the line this year, and. So they're really yeah. Music of the Heart was Angela Bassett's entry know. in '99, unfortunately. So they really so so there were a few. Bl- you can, see from, our, you can yeah. see from our our uh, poster art. Our poster art. There are a few black actors who were opening movies, and there were guys like Forrest Whitaker, mm-hmm. Meg Ghost thought that indies would take kind of big swings with black actors, but it was not happening with black actresses like at all. It's really yeah. it's really disappointing. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fascinating um MTV Films was a was a fascinating company and it's unfortunate that I don't is there anything that exists that filled that void right now? I mean, is there a company that that's sort of doing what they were doing? Do, um no. Nowadays? I mean, it wouldn't be like a it wouldn't be like a like a studio right now. It would be like a like an awesomeness almost, you know, or Something like that. Crazy. Um, so it's Netflix. We can't talk about Netflix on the <laughs> podcast. We're, we're it's strict Steven Spielberg rule on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I wow. mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure I, that will take Netflix well. doesn't it, Netflix doesn't exist on. You could fill. You could ask any question. Like, is any company doing X? Yeah. And it'd be like, I guess it's Netflix. Well, but I, I mean, mean, I guess there's, it's a, there's Netflix. a yes, I guess. Which is the beauty I, of Netflix for creatives, but. I, I know it's like I let's not I even think get it's into a whole, it. Let's it's not a even whole get into it. Yeah, uh, that I just. When are we going to do our Netflix podcast? A movie, a, sh- a podcast just about movies on Netflix? No, just where we talk about Netflix. Oh, we can do that. All right, a special one off. Excited, yeah. Ugh. You're going to have to have more than just. I just you're going to have to have some some <sighs> alternating opinions on that alternate. Opinions. Oh, we are. I know we have alt- alternate opinions on Netflix. Yeah. Oh. You should get some Netflix execs. 
Um, of which we know many. Yes, no, that, that, yeah. We've Maybe. had, we've had some Netflix We've employees. already had one that was an employee and has subsequently decided to become a full-time writer in Aaron LaRosa. <laughs> Sounds right. And, uh, and Jared Weisman, Jared, who's yeah. over there now. Um, and yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Don't speak too ill of them. They will be all of our employer one day or they'll go out of business. Of course, there's that possibility too. I'm sure that's a possibility for anything. Well, anything that is that is spending that yeah. sh- staggering sum of money on a on a monthly basis. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. sucks for us creatives. Yeah. Okay, so back. I, I, I love I love that you think I'm like anti Netflix. I'm really not. Oh. I just think that I think that right now is. I love that you think I'm pro. I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was great. You've just heard our podcast on Netflix. <laughs> um, but so, just to really, just to go back to so yeah, this, you know, kind of your listing of all these films, uh, these quote unquote black films, right, of the 90s. I remember um, I used to get Entertainment Weekly subscription when I was. I'm still a subscri- an electronic yeah, still, subscriber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get the um, print version. Oh, how yeah. quaint. Fuck trees. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I remember there, you know how they would always, they, I guess still do. They give their letter grade, Mm -hmm. you know, yes. Yes. And I remember there were like films that would come out these, you know, these films and they were, there was always such a surprise element in the reviews of like, you haven't, I mean, this film, soul food guys, like you really (laughs) trust us, like check it out. Sure. You know, it's like this shock of, can you believe that that black people make a good movie? Good on them. Like maybe black people can make films too. I mean, it's so unbelievable. I remember love and basketball had an a score, which is actually why I went to go to it. And I got my mom to go. Cause I was like, no, look, it has, I mean, she wasn't not going because of, you know, of, Race, sort of, of racial yeah. issues. It was, it's there was young people. Well, there was basketball in the oh, title. Like, she was I like, what? Well, I don't basketball. care. Um, and I was like, no, but look, hey. And she's like, okay. And so we like go to the Edward Cinema and go see Love and Basketball. But, you know, I, <laughs> there was just this air of shock that a film by black people for black people could be by a re- black woman. By, I mean, let alone a black woman. Same thing happened with, um, could be good. It's what so was the crazy movie to Cassie, think about. What was the movie Cassie Lemons did? That was uh, Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou. That oh, was yeah. also like that, where people, yeah. yeah, it's 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 crazy to think and upsetting to think how hard it must have been for her to get Love and Basketball made. Like to think about, like she, had she yeah. directed a film before that? I don't believe she had. Right? No, that was I her, don't think so. Like, I, maybe she had written something, but she hadn't. This is. Oh, this, I mean, it's this, it's it's not easy today. She, she I know. Not, I mean, fast cut to or, today. Yeah, she had not directed it's or um, or written anything. written anything that was produced before that movie. But it's only just starting just to change today barely. for right. black men. Oh, yeah. I think it's outside of outside of Ava. It's basically the same as it's been. Uh, I think there are a few. I mean, it, we mentioned Gina, yes, we a, mentioned Lena a little bit. Yeah, Lena Waithe. Yes, Lena Waithe. That, yeah, but. I mean, Lena Waithe is also, you know, she's a, uh, what's it called? A trailblazer. I mean, she's definitely holding the torch. She's also so young that it does feel like, um, it does, it does feel a little bit like Hollywood has taken ownership of her Mm -hmm. almost in a Lena Dunham kind of way. Um, where they, Mm. they, I think Hollywood feels like they're part of her success. 
mm, in, interesting. A, in a way that I don't feel like they felt like for so many of these other filmmakers. So she's, she's a uh, tremendous, like just yeah. whenever I read about anything about her, I'm just blown away by everything she's trying to do. And I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, Jordan Peele to a certain extent on the, on the, obviously on the, on the male side of things, I feel like he's got a lot He's got the wind at his back oh, right now. I think the most exciting thing about Lena Waithe is her support of the rest of the community of film of you know across the board. Across the board, yeah. um, we uh, you know we we went to go see the Boomerang premiere, uh, which is a show that she just created, the remake of mm-hmm. the Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy film. Yeah. Um, but she, in her introduction, I was so moved. She, you know, she named out all of the series directors, um, and she said, "You know, they are all black, and none of them before participation in the show were DGA members." And I mean, you kind of think about the effect that 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 chain reaction effect of like just by making that a a mandatory requirement, she is affecting change. In like statistic, you know, the DGA <laughs> better be thanking her, you mm-hmm. know, for yeah. that because that's helping, you know, when everyone, everyone's numbers are being looked at, yeah. um, you know, this, that's a big, that's a well, really it's, big it's, thing. It's a, it's a huge thing. And I think that you see it. I mean, Chandra Rhymes obviously made, you know, obviously a very big deal, mm-hmm. understandably about pushing and moving that needle. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it shouldn't be this hard. It's it's embarrassing for an industry for it to be this hard, right. um, but it's great to see that that you know these these talents using their their a their incredible talent b their clout in order mm-hmm. to make sure that that there are more coming behind them. To to some extent, though, it's kind of upsetting that it takes Alina Waith to do that. Right. To because I, I mean I just think about it in terms of sports. Basically, the NFL has had a problem hiring black coaches forever. Um. And within, 10 years ago, there were a bunch of black coaches in the league. Not a bunch, but there were like six, maybe six. And you could trace all of their careers back to one guy, Tony Dungy, who's a black coach, who hired a lot of black assistants, and those guys wound up becoming coaches huh. of their own teams, which is great. But you put so much weight on the Tony Dungys of the world and the mm-hmm. Lena Waits on the world when – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, I understand that, that I, I think white creators, white showrunners feel pressure to hire people of color and women, but I don't understand exactly why they don't just do it. I don't really understand why it has to – I really, truly don't understand why it's been this thing where, where people are so uncomfortable with, with having people who don't look like themselves run their shows or direct their movies or anything like that when like – I mean, it, I, there's really no, there's really no way to talk about this without it being racist. With, yeah, you know, like with, yeah. with, without some deep seated, deep seated racism coming into this conversation. Right. So I think it's awesome that she's doing that. I think it's right. really unfortunate that that she has to do so much to make up for how right. little opportunity there has been and still is. I mean, by the way, we're giving Lena a lot of credit here, but also Rick, Rick Femiwa has been, he's. He has a production company. He, I mean, Rick, even the fact that Rick was attached to do The Flash and ultimately I think it was script issues that the studio wanted, you know, whatever. Who the hell knows? Who, yeah. Who's doing it now? Is someone doing that? Uh, yeah. Yes. Who is it's, it? Um, is it happening? It's, I mean, it's, it's happening. Um, it's the, 
it's the two white guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. Oh wait, it's I know. It's the guys who did uh, yeah. Vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, uh, Game Night. It's the yeah. dude from from, from Freaks from, and Geeks. And, yes, and Freaks, Freaks and Geeks. And Geeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. it's those two yeah. guys. He's yeah. good. I, I really like yeah, Game Night. I, mean, I thought Game yeah. Night was a blast. Game Night was great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember I told Kenny to go and see Game Night, and he came and he's like, "Game Night's the fucking greatest." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> love Game Night. It's great." Um, they but, might do a good job. You know, I think that that also, you know, taking it back to the wood, I think that that's an, that is a testament to and and dope. I mean, uh, I don't think Rick would have his level of influence today if he hadn't gone back to the roots mm-hmm. of this story and uh and done dope which really kind of reestablished him on the map. Yes. Um for sure. And I'm so happy I'm so happy it did. Well, I'm yeah. you know because It's a really cool movie. He's and, got a really cool aesthetic. And he, and not only aesthetic, I think the one character the one through line of all of these things is that Rick is a great writer. <laughs> yeah. He is a great writer and you know even some of these lines that I wrote down which I actually didn't write down many like looking <laughs> at my notes but in quotes rotund booty that that hit my notebook. But rotund. most importantly <laughs> hit my notebook. <laughs> um just and I'm going to like use this I think in my daily in my daily life but Mackin and Hangin Guys, I, we should all be macking and hanging. Wasn't the line like macking and hanging, hanging and macking, <laughs> hanging and macking? <laughs> but then, like the move, like the yeah, sort of like yeah. you know, uh, new edition moves, like macking and hanging, <laughs> hanging and macking. And I'm like, man, that is you. You're just like. For sure, that was he came up with that with his friends. Like that is something for, out of memory. It does feel he, very. There is a the, the the camaraderie and the relationships. It feels very uh, real. These guys feel like real friends on both sides of the timeline. Yeah. So I, I you know, I, I I'm surprised that none of those child actors really yeah. broke through. But there's one in my opinion that should have more than more than the rest, and that's the girl played Alicia. Oh. Isn't she uh, I think great? her name is Melinda. She was yeah, it was Melinda. Um, she was great. amazing. She's my amazing. favorite scenes in the movie were the scenes that she was in. She was so good. Um, and I think like so. In, also, she. I looked. At the, so Sana Lathan mm-hmm. plays. I mean, you know, foreshadowing of Love and Basketball. Mm-hmm. Omar Epps and Sana Lathan, like in the you know, she plays the older version. Yeah, she plays the older version of Alicia. Oh. I think she was only like four or five years older than the actress who played young oh, Alicia. Yeah, huh. yeah which That's is funny. kind of uh, wow, funny to look at. But she was excellent. She was excellent, and those scenes were really engaging. And I, yeah, I, re- I, yeah, I really liked her. I really thought um, there was they had chemistry. Those two, they had chemistry, and it did make me kind of feel like okay, this is a reason for being for the. Framing device to get those two back yeah. together. Yeah, I would have preferred to see that be more of the you know the the present of the yeah. yeah the present story. Like, could it have been Mike's wedding day? You know, well, could that's, it that's have the been? thing. Like, there's just yeah. it does feel like there's there's stuff that's a little hard to understand. I guess to a certain extent as to why some of the choices were made because I think that if you had that to hold on to a little bit more, it just it it there was just times where I found myself unsure who I was supposed to be invested in. Right. Um, 
I think that's exactly so, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was a little unsure of who I was supposed to be yeah. invested in, and I knew I was not invested in Roland. I um, know I wasn't invested in Roland. I was invested mostly in Mike as a kid. Mike as a kid, mm-hmm. yeah, and was, and trying to figure out how this I mean, relates I, to today. I right, think exactly. that it is Mike's story. I think that every even it it's even though th- it is Roland's event that. Well, and he's the one having the crisis. He's the one having, but I don't actually, he's the one who is having a crisis, but I don't know if the crisis of the film is, is he going to make it to his wedding or not? I think that the crisis of the film is, you know, the weight of growing up and the weight of, of, are we going to stay friends? Are we going to stay friends? That's the crisis. That, that is the crisis of growing up. And then I I don't want to break it to them. They're but, not really going to stay friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And at least not. At least it's not going to look like the way it looks. That's. I would. I would agree with the latter more than the. the Which the, is the sad. And that's like that's. It's the saddest uh, realization about growing up. Now I'm. I'm too far out of the game to really be sad about it anymore. <laughs> we're putting. We're putting Kenny up to pastures. So. No, I. I basically am. <laughs> but I'm. I'm way too far out of the game to really get upset about it anymore. But there was a period of time. About like five, six, seven years ago, where every single thing I was writing was about how I miss my friends. You're, you're like, you're not going to be able to keep your group of friends together the way. Like, all, Friends is a lie, and all of these shows are a lie. All these movies are a lie where people say friends forever. Um, and now I just, you know, now I just write about pooping babies. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which I assume Roland goes on to, to, to write do about very similar. Well, he, he, go, he goes on to write about all of his friends, right? <laughs> Twice, right? In the best man, not sure, yes. right? 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 I haven't seen the best man. It's about a guy who writes a book about all his friends. You know, it's. A, I was just about to say, "Ugh, you'd hate it," but I also said that to you about. The wood, like yeah. shortly like last week, did. I was like, "Oh, you're gonna, but then, yeah, I did. No. I did think you could hate it, but you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I, I misjudged. I, it was, um, and I shouldn't have. I know you well enough to, to have. I should have been able to be like, "Oh, you are one of the most nostalgic people I know, uh, and That's you true. probably would love this." Yeah, I mean, this is a is a giant nostalgia piece for all intents and purposes. I mean, it really is just these guys just wistfully thinking about. I, you know, I I would say that if I had one thing that I kind of wished, it was that the the flashbacks were more motivated. I wish that there was more more of a one to one on something happening in the past that sparks them to think about this thing that happened in the in the. You know what I mean? It's just it yeah. it felt like the only narrative connective tissue between these two timelines is merely that they're the same people rather than something that's going on either thematically or, right. or from a plot perspective. Um, because, and I, I appreciated the sort of like shaggy hangout movie that it was, right. but there's a little, you know some, there's a little something. It's a little something. You see, there's more thematic than anything. It's kind of nebulous. And I, I'm sure that's by design. But the little something to me is they are kind of telling the story of how did we become guys who hang in Mac, yes. right? Yes. And it start the the early stuff is the hanging, yeah. the later stuff is the macking, and Tay Diggs will have to give up his hanging and macking, yeah, in order to be a husband. So, did you give up your hanging and macking, Kenny? 
definitely gave up the hanging. Um, (laughs) 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 The less important of the two. Less important of the two. You have to have Mac to to give up. So I I never quite got Macking. Um, But but I certainly hanged. Uh, But I think that is kind of what they're – I think that is what, what they're going for, which is essentially like this is what we've done for the majority of our lives. We can no longer do that because Tay Diggs is going to be a, long, a married man, or at least the the yeah, implication of that. Yeah, yeah, the assumption is or presumption is, and uh, and are we okay with that? I think that's kind of what they're going for, at least in the in terms of marrying these two. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I think there is it's a little nebulous. It's you're, it, you you're, know. you're you're missing a lot of opportunities with, without drawing more of a one to one to them. But it just it's it's, it's one a choice. Of those, I, I didn't even feel like the convenience store. Mm-hmm. That they go to in present day, mm-hmm. I'm assuming is the same convenience store. I think right? so, the, but different but owner. <laughs> I mean, like it would have been nice if they got it the just same. Should have been the same convenience store. Like Time's it's just it's, it's a lot of a lot of turnover. <laughs> but you understand my point. Like it's it's those those to me are are easy fixes. By the way, how much did you love that he grabs the grits? <laughs> yes, the grits was great and wouldn't let him go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, those are things that to me would have would have gone a long way towards me having just a little bit more to hold on to because I did find yeah. myself just sort of not that my mind wandered necessarily but I just wasn't fully engaged. You know, it would have been that. like for instance, we meet Tanya who mm-hmm. is a great character and yep. Tanya is a huge piece of the film. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we why didn't we see yeah. why didn't we see Tanya in the past? In the past. Yes. That was maybe she was there, maybe it got cut. I don't know. It's it's, it's it funny does because feel like there is stuff on the cutting room floor, and, and like, also just like devices that we, we so we, we did. Girl interrupted earlier today, yeah. which you know was a memoir two weeks ago. We, we recorded Same. it earlier today, right? That's true. <laughs> um, and we talked a little bit in that about how you sort of use narrative devices, be it voiceover or. Mm-hmm. You know, books that are being written, whatever it is. And it feels like this film could have actually benefited from more voiceover. Like, wh- whatever, it opens with a device of him breaking the fourth wall, right? And then which, we never Which I don't think it. we need ever. Or not ever, but like, I don't think works in this. It could have easily opened with his voiceover as, you know, as we're, as we're right. in this party or whatever, and we're hearing him. And then we hear him more, and he pulls us through a lot more of this so that, A, we know it's his story. Because I assume that that's why the fourth wall exists for the most part at the beginning, is to be like, this is the guy to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Except he, he also shows it off the slam. And right. Which, it, that just that the melted fourth my wall, brain. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know, I don't know why that stayed. <laughs> because it didn't, it, they, they didn't continue to use it. It right. was like a device that was used just to like be like, okay, guys, we're making a movie yeah, about this movie. story, and it's like, it I know little, we're here for that. The, it's like, are you talking to me the, personally? Right. <laughs> the the problem, yeah. Yeah. The problems with all these things you're talking about—the drop fourth wall and the weird narration and these two th- these these two storylines not really meeting and not really talking to each other. Yeah. Is that when those things, when plot devices are used correctly? It should be seamless, and when it's seamless, it inspires confidence mm-hmm. in the audience in this film that they're going to land this plane. Because essentially, that's what a movie is. Are they? Are you going to be able to land this plane? Without those things, it co- it puts us in a position where we have to work a little harder for it. Sometimes those are the most rewarding film going sure. experiences there are. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself isn't a problem. And I think, like over the course of the podcast so far, like I felt like 
I, I do get the movie a little better than I did before. I definitely I do. Do think that there is, you know, kind of um, a lar- there There is certainly there's certainly a, a, a broader picture being painted here than I realized upon watching it the first time. Um, and you know, we've done so many of these that that th- this actually talking about the movies is incredibly helpful to appreciating them. Not everyone has the opportunity to talk about a movie for two and a half hours on a podcast, but like, I think this is. I, I think this movie is better than I thought it was, and I don't think how I don't think it's so important that we harp on these things that it did wrong because it really yeah. doesn't affect I, it that much. I agree. It's, it's I funny agree. That was sort of the conclusion we came to with Girl Interrupted as well, to a certain extent. Now the subject matter being and what 200 it is, cigarettes. and two hundred cigarettes, yeah, that, which is really why interesting. These movies resonate with audiences and fall short with critics because critics harp on bullshitty bullshit. things. Yeah, and I, I, I fully, audiences fully agree. Like, let that shit wear way over them, and it. Wear, I'm sure let that shit weigh. Wash over them. That's right. Yeah. Wash over them, and uh, and what really matters is how it fucking ends. Well, and also right. ultimately how it makes you feel. How it makes you feel. I mean, we we've we often talk about Hunter Covington and tone. Mm-hmm. He was he came in for Chill Factor many many moons ago, and he was like, if you buy the tone, if they state the tone early and stick to and it. stick to it. The audience will go on the fucking ride and they'll and they'll turn a blind eye to any number of plot contrivances mm-hmm. as long as they're having a good time and they feel like they're that someone behind the wheel that knows what they're doing. It's the most and important I, thing. The most important thing. And that's the that is the seismic difference between audiences and critics, which is that critics are about critically thinking about the bones of why this was made and how this was done right. and various things. Whereas an audience just sits there more times than not, having paid their twelve to fifteen dollars to just be entertained and to not think for two hours or however long, and they just want to be entertained and they just want to have a good time. Right. So that's why something I completely agree with you. Like I, and I wasn't trying to be too critical on the, on the, the structure of it, but I do think that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The 91% from audiences makes complete sense to me. They wanted to hang out with these people. They enjoyed hanging out with them. They enjoyed the journey that they went on. They didn't care about One the plot. One might argue that it was them. Right. Exactly, right? right? So they're just like, this is great. I feel like I'm hanging out with my buddies. Right. And, that's, and that in and of, in and of itself is, is a worthwhile experience. It's a really shitty point I'm going to make, but I'll make it anyway. <laughs> uh, there is a little bit of Green Book, not in this movie. Oh, boy. But in the... In, in the feeling I think people feel watching it. Because yes. this movie isn't solving anything. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But this movie does make people feel like it's all the same story. Just It's just being told different places. And you don't often get that from movies that are 
that, that take place essentially in the hood. You know, well, I actually think it does solve something. And this is a point of the film that we haven't touched on yet, which is about sexual development of teenagers, mm-hmm. um, which is something that is so uncomfortable when you're in it and so uncomfortable to think back on, right? And oh, which yeah. is why... <laughs> I was just watching... I was thinking about watching yeah. uh, Pen15 recently. Oh, which yeah. Which is amazing, oh. but definitely taps into that idea yeah. of just like, it is a fucking brutal time. It is so It's, it's gross and messy, and you don't understand what's going on, and it's just awful. And and these, And arguably, these guys were like, relatively smooth all you know like all for all intents and purposes yeah, yeah, yeah. like it they were you know they they hit the they got to the end goal i mean Dude, they did or the end zone they got into the end zone they hit they one got of them the, did whatever yeah at least one of them did. <laughs> I mean, we when assume they, they all eventually yeah. did at some point yeah so um but i think uh you know kind of when you asked me like what films was i watching in 1999 i'm thinking thomas crown affair I'm thinking 10 things I hate about you. Like people are just like having really good sex. They're just like, kids that's true. Are, everyone's having, yeah, everyone's gorgeous, gorgeous having sex. Yeah. great sex or they're not having sex because they've done it before. And he's a, you know, I'm, you know, he, he wronged me and that's I'm like, crazy I'm emotionally mature yeah. enough You're being so right. 16 yeah. years old to like have known that, you know, like not yeah. unlike that's me who was like, you know, fell into a deep depression that. over heartache, we you know, but right. yeah. So <laughs> I was amazing. Can no just ever, go back no and forth ever, on Tethys, anyway. I always go back and forth on everything. No one ever talks about that. That's an insane thing that movies do. That, yeah. Like you have some 16 year old talking about sex, like they're 20. Right, older. right, I mean, yeah. right. That's crazy. Yeah, or like you think about the films that are being made for teenagers on, going back to our friend Netflix now, like The Kissing Booth. I, when I watched The Kissing Booth, I was like, uh, uh. Like, teenagers? I, I am not having children. Like, <laughs> if this is what teenagers are doing, it's like, I wouldn't do this and I'm 34 years old. Like, what is going on? Crazy, These kids crazy. are having more sex than... Any of my they friends might are. be for all I know. I don't. Least, I don't know. I think. I fucking hope not. My kids are almost seven. Oh. So, God, they're like three years away in the timeline no, no, of ten things no I hate about you. Idea yeah, but, how quote unquote advanced they are. I mean, they don't know about sex, but like, God, like things creep into their to their you know like, the internet, enter into their spheres yeah. that you'd never. Right. Want your kids to have to interact with, and I've always wanted to be like it's the, the wrong, cool dad's not the right term. I want to be a dad they can talk to, and I also want to be a dad who like demystifies sex. I don't want sex to be this thing that we never talk about. I don't want the sex to be something that we always talk about. We always talk about. <laughs> yeah. I want it to be something yeah. that happens. Then you know whatever. Right. But you want it to be comfortable to be able to we, talk to you about these things, but you also don't right. want to. You, you but, can also you can make it worse if you go too so, far the other way too. Kenny, all just. When they're a few years away from now, show them just the wood. show them the wood. <laughs> because it'll like, but show truthfully, them the wood. but like, show them the wood. Oh I mean, it's like you see how awkward they are and you see how uncomfortable it is. I mean, a, a similar, wow. I, again, I know that I've brought, I've, I'm drawing parallels to Love and Basketball too much, but there's a similar scene in Love and Basketball when, they you know, sex, when they yeah. have sex for the yeah. first time and, you know, I just think that it's, um, 
you know, it's, it's not cool. It's not glamour. It's not good. It's not, you know, all these things, but it's to do what I love about the wood is that it's Mike and Alicia, that they weren't together, but they, they had said, you know, if, you know, if I ever have a son or a daughter and they, you know, one could only hope that that was the first for, you know, for everyone, because you're doing it with somebody who's safe, somebody who's, you know, and it's, it's you've grown it, up with and you know, but it's just so sweet. It was so sweet, but messy. And I, I don't, I don't have the same feeling that you do about this movie's treatment of, se- of oh, teen sex. Okay. This is the part that I think does, does kind of guys, I'm getting hot. Just it's not, <laughs> it's not so much that it rings false. It does actually ring true. It's just, it's not the depiction that, that I'm super comfortable with. So basically, you know, they, they the second part of this movie does feel like it becomes American Pie a little bit. Like the three guys essentially make make a deal very much that so. we're going yeah. to well, who's going to have sex first, and mm-hmm. then I think Roger the Ebert brought that up at his. He did. He kind of the yeah. most numbers, he, but he spoke and, favorably about this depiction as opposed to American Pie. It's which a, obviously it's is definitely a little better, <laughs> but something that like um, I never understood as a kid and seemed to be prevalent throughout. You know. All humanity, and I just don't understand it, is when is is the that the the idea where teenage boys are ready to just jump in, mm. right? Like these three guys were like, "I'm ready to jump in," you know. Like to me, sex, especially when I was a teenager, was like I'm standing on a cliff. <laughs> Someone puts a blindfold on me. <laughs> Tells me to jump, doesn't tell me what's down there, but says it's going to be really good. But I'm like, that's it? I just jump? And they're, and, and everyone's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. And then like seven It's funny guys- because for girls, they're like, you're going to jump off this cliff and it's going to hurt and it's going to be terrible. Be terrible. <laughs> I don't know what's worse because, because I'm not even kidding because at least that's honest, right? So like- yeah, That's not, true. That is true. The end of my thing is like- I'm. By the way, I'm also with her with like my fucking seven best friends, and they all fucking jump. Yeah. Like all of them, it's like they're all, everyone's jumping. I'm just like, how are you just like cool with this? Not only that, like you're jumping into it, and so that that movie, that thing, and I guess like it's even weirder for me in like the '80s when this takes place because to some extent, pornography at least gave kids a better idea of what they're jumping into. It gave them the wrong idea mm. about consent and about how to have sex <laughs> and about what's right. important. But yeah. at least like that is definitely another podcast. At least they'd seen it before, you know, whereas this is just like, you're jumping into an abyss, but okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's my take on now. There are consent issues in this as well. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I felt like these kids, yeah. these kids had to have a primer on consent. But again, that's another like thing of the times where, I mean, there. This watching this film post Me Too movement, you're like, oh my sure. god, yeah. how far we have come. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, we 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 talked again. I wrote down I, rotund booty. The, enti- the inciting incident is the smacking of a the rotund smacking booty. of a yeah. rotund booty. I mean, we talked right. about, we talked earlier about, for money <clears throat> for money <laughs> about Entourage in a post Me Too world oh, as well, God, and yeah, like yeah, could that yeah, show yeah, exist yeah. in in all of that? I I the will say just no. to, to <laughs> well, we felt the we same felt way. the same way. Unless it's the women who are the entourage. Exactly what Kenny said. said that. Really? Yeah, yeah. You and I. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> that's gonna be. I think there's something to 
depiction of sort of teen sex or however you want to call it. Cause I watched, as I mentioned, I was watching pen 15 and then I also watched the first episode of sex education and the difference between North American depiction of coming of age sex and all of that and UK or European or basically anywhere outside of this country, like skins. And, and I'm just sort of, I, I don't know what to make of a lot of it. Like I think that pen 15 is hilarious. Um, and it seems believable to me. Again, I was never a teenage girl, so I don't know. But it just, it's messy and it's awful. And I think we have right. to be upfront about that. But to Kenny's point about, like, how do you navigate that spectrum with your own kids and make sure that they're not being exposed to too much of it where they get desensitized, but also not, you know, hiding them from it so they become, you give them a complex in, in some respect in that way, too. It's and I think this movie handles it relatively well. I mean, I, I thought that I thought the sex scene was was funny and it felt real and it felt you know messy and yeah. awkward and um, very brightly lit. Uh, and like it will be, kids I, I listening. Swear to God, it it will be. Thing. And just it was it was so bright and and I was just like I, I was just like turn the lights off. You don't yeah. want to see any of this. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just it's just, just get this over. It's with. just there's something very. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. I'm now 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 I'm gonna you know kind of devolve into a sex podcast. But the problem. <laughs> Is or the problem in the nineties? Yes, Doctor. Yes, Doctor you know, Kenny. I don't know the way it is now, <laughs> but the problem in the nineties and maybe the early two thousands, the American Pie era, was that sex was a destination, and it wasn't a journey. Like it wasn't about the actual mm. sex. It was always about getting there and doing it and right. telling your friends. And I think fucking mid nineties Jonah Hill's movie, not never, a great never movie. Saw it. I haven't really seen strong depiction of this idea. Like really strong depiction of like the 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 reason to have sex is to tell your cool buddies about it, like kids, right. the movie. Yeah, which I think is an incredible movie and hits this very hard. Um, very no pun very, intended. Very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. No, no pun intended. Let's just go get back to talking about the wood. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't like kids, but you know, I don't like Larry Clark's movies for the most part. So. Right. I can't even start to talk about it. So Larry Clark's movie. I mean, I, I don't even know any other Larry Clark movies. Did he do? Bully. Oh, Bully's good. What's up, Rockers? What's that? Yeah, you heard me. Which one? What's up, Rockers? I never saw that one. He's no. a he's 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 a he's a problematic filmmaker. Do you like Har- Harmony Korean? Korean? Uh, I don't really love his movies, but I'm I, I'm I'm. I do like the the postmodern Harmony Korean that we seem to have guys. Have embraced. How are we going from Rick Famuyiwa? To postmodern harmony, Corinne, talk Sorry. about different schools uh, well, of filmmaking. We, could, we, we, we there's never a tangent we don't love to Where go on. Where did we wind I, up with with two hundred cigarettes? That was so crazy. And how did we get here? I, mean, I don't like, remember. <laughs> happened like I mean, we got to, we times. got to school shootings in Toy Story too. So that's true. I mean, listen, oh, wow. that's, that's really okay. that's the bar that I've kind of set. And as long as you school know, shootings. school shootings, <laughs> Toy Story two, anyway, and nine eleven, and not, yeah, and nine eleven. Um, so. As I was saying earlier, I love the camaraderie between these guys. It feels very real. Um, I enjoyed it on both sides of the timeline. Um, I thought that Omar Epps's voiceover sounded a lot like Andre 3000. I found myself often thinking oh. if it just, I don't know. Uh, so let's talk about the plot of The Wood. Let's just dive in. Um, credits have some really solid 90s R&B over oh, them. It's really good. 
Um, we Omar were. Epps, I was listening to the soundtrack on my way over here oh, really? just to like get in, just get, get into, into that space. Uh, Omar Epps has a gigantic video camera that he's recording when he first gets there. It's like this. Yeah. I but know. at that time, probably yeah, was no, it was totally super accurate. small. Sure. Yeah, yeah, at the time, it was like an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just, just, just a giant brick. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about the breaking of the fourth wall, which I think we all agree was probably a mistake and never comes back. So, yeah. Um, Roland, played by Tay Diggs, is getting married and is currently missing. Slim, who scoffs the idea of marriage, is furious at Roland for disappearing. Mike reminisces in his old bedroom, which takes us to a flashback of Mike's first encounters with Roland and Slim. Um, I think that, again, this was a great flashback because it was motivated by something. Being in that space, yeah. I felt like actually felt like it actually made sense. <clears throat> um, Mike then sees Alicia for the first time and he immediately has a crush on her. Uh, and sh- basically what I liked is that these such a high school tropey thing yeah. it happened, it happened at homecoming this year. You know, it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, I love how shy and awkward these kids are for the most part. Yeah. That they feel like outsiders. They feel like they're just not really part of the cool crowd, if that's even the right way to put it. Um, I like that they're willing to take on the new kid. That to me, that's, exactly. That they befriend them. I love that. I love that. Totally. I love that. And and that actually feels very sincere to me and, and real. Like mm-hmm. you meet the first kids you meet. Because they take you in, and those are like your homies for life. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. feels very true to life. Did you ever yeah. move as a kid? No. Did you ever switch school? I switched uh, in seventh grade. I went from public school to private school, and so I had, had to, to make meet, a new group. I had to make a new group. How was and that? It was really scary. Yeah, it's I really never had scary. to do that because I was in the same kind of system. Yeah, from kindergarten through twelve. But it's scary, right? Yeah, it's were really those scary. people you met early your good friends? Uh. There are, there is one girl I met in seventh grade who I am still friends with today. Um, no, two. There are two girls who I am still friends with from seventh grade. Um, yeah, there, and, uh, you know, and then eighth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade, ninth grade, blah, 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 onward. You know, I'm still friends with a handful of people from. I'm still very close with a lot of high, my from high middle school, school friends. And high school. I mean, Jan, who has done our our key art and our theme song. I went to high school with him. I'm friends with a lot of. Uh, I mean, Simon, who came here for uh, Straight Story. I'm still friends with a lot of the people that I went to high school with. But we also a lot of us transitioned to film school from high school. It was all within mm. the same city. So the uh, the one girl I met in seventh grade, we ended up going. We were uh, we went to middle school together. Then you know onward to high school uh and then we actually went to our first year of nyu together so really cool yeah, that's we, cool we 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 remain friends <laughs> you know who you are when you're listening to this amazing yeah um so we're back at the first day of school and mike gets a boner he doesn't want to get up in front of his class <laughs> the word sorry, boner sorry to just beef us the butthead that, that one was fantastic. i, I, just, it, I not so it. much not so much the word boner it's you saying it that I loved so Me? much. Yes. Well, there you go. I uh, never would have said that. I would have said an uh, erection or aroused. Whatever. No, I would have said a boner. boner. <laughs> he did. He, anyway. got, he did. He got a boner. He got a boner. Yeah. Uh, but the no, hair pieces on these kids is something. Wow. No one ever see. <laughs> on, I mean, on Slim. Are, are there on all of them? The two Jerry they're, girls. They're all wearing. Wigs. Roland has one too. Roland, but oh, Roland. Oh, Roland I want to go back to this boner. Don't we all? It bothered me a little bit that it didn't pay off. Yeah, it was just a throwaway. Yeah. 
But anyway. All right. It's not that uh, embarrassing. I know. wouldn't even remembered it. I wouldn't even remembered it unless it was like humiliating. Yeah, it's it's just By the way, of, back just, to your note about how Alicia is so good. Yeah. Uh remember when he gets a second boner when he's dancing with yeah. her? We'll get to the Luther Vandross, I'm sure. Yeah, that uh, I felt more for him in that situation because yeah. I have that as a child actually was in that happened. Situation. Like I remember that happening with a boy at, in a seventh grade dance. And what did you did you say? Well, anything? he just like ran away, and I didn't get it, and I was like, "What the?" I I, was uh, like, That's a- <laughs> I, I, I no. I hope kids never listen to this one. I remember it happening to me. I remember exactly <laughs> who the girl was. And it definitely happened. Exactly happened where it happened. Do you remember uh, the song that was playing? No, but I remember whose bar mitzvah it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I could. And that's not depicted very often in movies. I could no, and really I really relate I, to that. Moment. I appreciated yes. that. That was yes. definitely a moment. Yeah. Where was like, and yep, she handled yep, it yep. so well. Like, if only I could have handled that. If only I knew. What no, was, yeah, what that like? How would you know? Yeah, boys get boners when yeah, you're close to a girl. Oh, that's a, and that's flattering. That's a real question, though. You didn't know that. That's why he ran away. Said boys get boners. When yeah, close to a girl. yeah. I when that happened in some, I didn't. I, I didn't get that that's what was going that's on that's the important shit to teach in sex ed that, that is those yes. are the, those are the yes. first things that will yeah. actually yeah. everything else up. is just science like science, yeah. that's stuff your parents yeah. teach you yeah. it should be but about like don't be ashamed that this happens don't be it's ashamed who cares exactly yeah, yeah someone taught my daughter it's awful but it's been okay someone taught my daughter that farting is healthy <laughs> now whenever she farts she just goes what it's healthy someone told my like, daughter it's okay i'm like okay fart. i get my, my son claims he's farted once in his life so there's you know that's another thing together but <laughs> just so, i want to go on record and say that this has been brought up on other podcast episodes about your son's that, farting i can't get it's over it i, I love can't it get so over that he, that he just sits there with a straight face and claims he's only farted once <laughs> he's seven they, only only once in his life but yeah like, my daughter was just doing she goes what it's healthy I'm like, you know what? That's great. That's great. Don't be embarrassed. Dude. Just live your life. Yeah. We, sh- we should eradicate shame. I think shame is, a, is an emotion totally. that should not exist. I mean, I think shame keeps us within limits that we should. I mean, you're be- right. You mean manners? <laughs> yeah. I think that shame is a device that could be used. <laughs> to keep us within parameters yeah, exactly. of social Phil, Your point was terrible, Alex. Your point was good. You should, be, you should feel ashamed of yourself for the point. Well, because it comes full circle. Because it's true. All I ever want is for Donald Trump to feel shame. Correct. I'm like, yeah. It's like all right. I think about is right. like, why don't right. you feel shame? If only R. Kelly would feel shame. Shame. Oh, my God. Yes. They all, yeah. And, it's well, so often I think that there really is no recourse other than to shame this person. So we should shame them. Yeah. And they don't feel it. And they it's don't just feel awful. It. So we should eradicate shame among young people. Most society. Shit out. Yeah. 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 Um, so back in present day, Slim's beeper goes off, which is a nice little uh, nod to a, a different time. Uh, Mike and Slim go to find Ro- Roland uh, for his wedding. And when they get a call from Tanya saying that she has, that he's with her and he's very drunk. They go to her house. They pick him up to take him back to the wedding to marry his bride, Lisa. Tanya, the ex-girlfriend. Tanya, the ex-girlfriend. Of, of, of Roland. And they only have two hours before the ceremony begins. Well, who unfortunately wasn't set up in the flashback. Correct. I think yeah. that, that, that seems Which like I don't understand. Yeah. Right. I also, I, I appreciate them putting a ticking clock on it and saying it's two hours before the ceremony, but you never really feel it. Like they kind of are just sort of. They needed to change that because they go to the dry cleaner. They get hosed down. By Tanya, was so which was, vomit. by the way, trailer seat. That actually was in the trailer, I think. Which one? The, the, the vomiting or the hosing? The hosing. 
I mean, you have naked Tay Diggs, Omar Epps, and Richard T. Jones. Those like, guys are they're they're very attractive gentlemen. I mean, yeah, I'm going to see that. And those film were looked 100%. like uh, little towels. Yeah, those were little towels. Those are her towels. She doesn't need towels. Real small towels. I shouts to shout out to Tanya about you know, she's like you're not showering inside my apartment. <laughs> Hell no. There's a hose out back. <laughs> you are filthy dogs. You deserve nothing more than this. And I'm like, yeah, God, great. I want to be more like Tanya. <laughs> I need to. Yeah, I need to yeah. find my inner Tanya. We all do. Yeah. Uh, we get a flashback. I, I with love the, that with the, actress. I wish she would do more. The like, butt yeah. grabbing, like Alicia's not butt. To be too, not to objectify her too much, but she's like so pretty. That girl. And I just I feel like I'd never seen her in anything else. So Delivers that while in a sports bra. Yeah, she spends the whole movie. In movie, the whole movie. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Not that film in, films in the nineties objectified women. In any no, way, they would never but, do something. Yeah. Like that. Well, we right, saw right, that right, problem. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. right. So. Uh, so now we get a flashback <laughs> where Slim uh, on a dare from Slim and Roland Mike grabs Alicia's butt. That brings Stacy into the equation. Her big brother, who's in a blood gang, or he is a blood gang member, uh, and then. They get in a fight. He gets his ass handed to him. He's pretty much beaten up by by Stacy. Um, but Stacy gets like a begrudging respect. Yeah, right. Because for, he, he fought and, back. Well, he fought back, and he admits. I think the most crucial thing is that he says, "I think she's pretty, and I like her." Yeah. So, which Stacy's like oh, Alicia okay. hears yeah. and realizes maybe he's a good guy. Yeah, and then Stacy respects. Yeah, yeah. I liked how real the fight felt. Like it, yeah. it, kind of, it had like this messiness to it. Yeah. It yeah. felt it felt very real. Um, so then, in present day, the guys are at a convenience store. I I really liked. I, again, it's a great scene. We love the grits. That stuff. I just it so felt. Good. Again, it just it feels like real people. I mean, Tay it almost Diggs, feels it almost it feels uh, improvised. Tay Diggs drunk performance not, not is a little over the top. I feel yes. like he spent a lot of his career. Being drunk. drunk. Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. true? I, I, I feel like know. this is not the first time I've seen him, like, barely being able to get his words out or talk or... Maybe that's, like, a thing. Maybe you, like... Yeah, if you got maybe a drunk you pay, guy, you go tag. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you pay a premium to have drunk tag. Drunk tag. He's not great at it. It's okay. not It's not yeah. one of his strengths. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen yeah. Set It Up? Then yes, I have. The Netflix movie? I have. He's so good in that. That's, like, that's, that's the, the station well, in life he's, I think... I I mean, it's kind of sad for me, but it works that Tay Diggs has kind of become like this vilified person, you know, the whole like, didn't he cheat on? Uh, oh, Adina Menzel. Yeah, Adina Menzel. And, like, so I, think I will that, say this though, Tay Diggs looks exactly the same, but he looks like a grown up version. Yeah. Like, have you watched All American? He just, no. he just. I I, th- I think he's really good now, and I really think I like, like I, I think this like this like big swinging dick power executive thing. It's not really what he's doing on All American, but he still is kind of this like super alpha male. Who's the female lead in, or his counterpart in Set It Up? I can't Lucy remember. Liu. Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu. Yeah, yeah. It's good. All, also good. good. It's just good. It's, it's a nice movie. It's like Lucy Liu circa Ally McBeal. It's yeah. No, it's a fi- it's a fine movie. Uh, I wish anyway, I wish that the, the I wish that the the actual leads in the movie were better um oh i don't agree with you i think that dude's great what's his name glenn they were both fine super i like charming. him too super charming yeah i think there's people are mixed well uh roland tries to teach himself how to dance before the school dance a little weird a little extreme Gets caught by his mother humping yep. a big 
rabbit, bear? and yeah, there's r- no follow up. Yeah, he's just like, oh, mom, sorry, I'm just learning how to dance for the school dance. Yeah, I, I think the thing is this. I think this movie has a running time of about an hour forty. Um, it could have been tightened a little bit. I think there's a little bit of air in it, but um, that's one of the things that I think probably could have gone. Like, I, I was fine. It yeah. was. It was. I, we I didn't need that. But we just. We, just we didn't need that. Um, uh, Big Mike can't dance. It's all right. I, I wrote, around here is where I thought, lots of kids, they're cute and fun, but I'm longing for more from the adults. Mm. They disappear from the movie for pretty long swaths of time, yeah. which is why I feel like even a voiceover would have helped just keep me, keep my headspace in that space as well. But um, on their way to the first dance, the boys go to a store and they get held up by Stacy. We talked about that whole convenience store scene. Um Stacey recognizes the boys and offers them a ride to the dance, which I kind of loved. Loved. Like the, he's like pointing a great. gun at the convenience store <laughs> yeah. owner. And he's like, Do kids want a ride? Yeah. It's great. And you sort of think back, like it was an it was an Asian convenience store owner. Yeah. And, you know, this like black blood gang gang member, you know, with like the red bandana around his face. And you but you sort of think back like um even just the interracial uh you know whatever the fight between uh-huh. like the asians and the blacks in england and in yeah i mean in, or, in well, so yeah, much but, yeah. yeah i mean that was again in his very subtle portrayal of his growing up i thought that that was like you know a nice piece that he used and, no i thought it, I, I yeah i liked it too um i i also just like so the boys almost get arrested by two cops because of stacy's broken taillight um and they're when they're being interrogated by the cops or whatever, one of them says, "Oh man, I'm going to jail. I'm going to be in scared straight." <laughs> Which I thought was great. I missed that. It's, it's I missed like, that. It's great. Um, and then Mike's quick thinking prevents the cops from actually arresting them uh, or finding Stacy's gun. Stacy's gun, which Stacy takes note of, right. And then you have a really nice scene where Stacy is impressed by Mike and impressed by you know the. That he likes his sister, he's protecting us. Right. I mean, there's there's just a really nice kind of like common ground that these gives two guys have. I mean, gives him the nickname Big Mike, which is a big deal. Like that's <laughs> big a Mike. it's a good nickname. It's, it's a good nickname. Yeah, it's like no, it, it is. It is. It, it, you go, you can walk around with your mm-hmm. chest puffed out, being Big Mike. Yeah, but yeah. because of this, because Big Mike does the solid and keeps him, like basically protects Stacy from, you know, the gun getting caught, and you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever, uh, his payback is the respect from Stacy, but also Stacy gives him this key, like the key to Alicia. Yeah, which is this song, the Luther Vander. Like, hey, my sister's favorite song is this Luther Vandross song, yeah, and if true. they play it, gives him the the key. You should ask yeah. her to dance. Uh, the dance is great. It's so yeah. lo-fi. The music is great. Yeah. It feels like one of those dances. Yeah, I was like, did they shoot this in my middle school? <laughs> <laughs> um, they get back to the dance. Uh, it's almost over. Mike gets to dance with Alicia, and at the end of the dance, he gets her number. Yeah. Um, Mike and Alicia start dating for three weeks in junior high, and they then stayed friends. So the slow dance happens right. there, and that's the whole boner predicament. That's the boner Boner predicament, boner right, predicament. Right. The, uh, obviously the first right. title. And, and that was meanwhile, so we have, of- so we have, and this is like, it's such an interesting portrayal of like, 
young boys thinking that it's all about how... So me, Roland and Slim are off trying to get as many phone numbers as possible yeah. from 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 the honeys. Uh, even Mike if just wants yeah, one. Even if they're not... Right, but Mike just... He gets one. That's the one that matters. the one that matters. And so at the end, basically, Slim and Roland give him the bet money. Like whoever... Mm-hmm. They had bet like a dollar or five dollars. Like yeah. whoever can get... The most amount of numbers, but they give it to Mike because they see Alicia write her number on his hand. And it's like, oh. It's great. It's great. Those are real friends. Those, yeah, those are, those are, mm-hmm. those are some good friends. So now we're in present day and Roland throws up all over Slim and Mike in the backseat of the car. The vomit was truly repulsive. It was like, really gross. It the, was a really gross vomit sequence. It was so gross. I wouldn't be surprised if it smelled bad. It was <laughs> It was visceral. Like, I hate throw-up scenes. I find them gross to begin with. But this one wasn't even funny gross. This one was just, like, horrific. We saw, I mean, the Detroit Rock City is one of the worst movies we've done. Yes. But it has the best throw-up scene. Well, yeah, because he fills a, he fills he, a picture he with it. He fills a whole picture with throw-up. It's just, <laughs> it just works. But this and then is, it's put on a tray. Yeah, it's oh, so disgusting. Just, it's, this that movie fucking oh, sucks. God. This is just, like... This is a this is a vomit avalanche, and he's also doing that thing where it's obviously yeah. through his yeah. sleeve. It's, like, oh, it's so it's like, crazy, it's but disgusting. this is like this is a real it's like this would happen. Like your yeah, drunk, yeah. stupid friend pukes in the back of your brand new car, and it's you're like, so "I gross. fucking well, he wouldn't be my hate friend you." Anymore. That'd be the end of that. Yeah, and no, that was maybe you guys arguably. Post this throw up scene, I think we actually get to Slim's like biggest scene. Yeah, he has the most lines. He has the like we learned like the outside. most about yeah. Slim yeah. in like this scene. Almost fighting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a weird scene, but I enjoyed it. it but it's yeah, also it's weird. like nests. Like I guess they're like these guys have to have like a fight. Like they've got to There's got to be some sort know. of boys will be boys climax of. I don't yeah. know. We get so they go back to Alicia's and they try to clean up and they're showering in the backyard with the hoses. Tanya, they go back to Tanya. Sorry, Um, and now they have only an hour left before the wedding and they have to get cleaned up. So they take their clothes to the cleaners. This is your point about like there's no way you're turning this shit around in two hours. Right, that's neither here nor there. And if you're freaking out, you also go to the pizza shop. Yeah, and just chill. <laughs> just, just, just hang well, out. You don't chill. Pizza. You're hanging. Sorry, hang. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we return to the flashback memories. They're in junior high, um, remembering their first times having sex and what have you. Mike has a girlfriend. Alicia has a boyfriend. Um, the boys, Eric. Eric. The boys make <laughs> a bet as meet. to who can <laughs> have sex first. Uh, and then one day Mike and Alicia walk home from the library. So they're, so they're at the library together. Right. They study. So we have established, we have established at least that Alicia and Mike are like good at school. Yes. They actually like care. Yeah. But they're also kind of circling each other a little bit. Like the, the, the the concept of sex comes up and basically the impression I got was Alicia's like, Oh, we're going to go do this. Because she like closes her book, she's like, "Let's just go to my." Yeah, place. we're not going to get any studying done. Yeah, we're not going to. We're, we're talking about sex. We're here. not going to get any studying. So uh, they walk to her house from the library, talking about the homecoming dance. They hear the first song, which is that the Luther Vandross song mm-hmm. that you're speaking of? Yeah, and she uh, was like, "Oh," to which they remember dancing yeah. their first kiss. Right, uh, and yeah, it's just you know, it's this, it's a brightly lit sex scene with shirts on and him applying a condom like. 
15 feet away I from know, her. And it just, <laughs> it all felt so accurate. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, they stop because Mike's condom breaks. Great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Alicia tells Mike that Stacy should have some condoms in his room. So he goes into his room and then he, then Stacy comes home and he's having sex with this right. girl and he's trapped uh, under the bed. And it's a whole like clown car of, of yeah, things that right. are happening. Um, and then uh, after they leave, Mike goes back to Alicia's house and they finally have sex. Which lasts for. To completion. Right, to com- seconds. Seconds. <laughs> um, and that feeling Alicia has of like, is that it? And it's like, yeah, girl, that's <laughs> exactly. At least it, oh boy, at least it wasn't like super painful. Did, yeah, like, but, didn't but, seem comfortable. But she, but you like hear her say like, "ow" a few Ow. times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike wins the bet, uh, but he doesn't tell Roland and Slim out of respect for Alicia, which I love. Which is which is lovely. Uh, Mike now hiding his still present shyness with a veil. He basically reconnects with Alicia in present day. Right. Oh, we're back. We're to, back. We're in present day now. We're now at the wedding. Oh, we're now at the wedding. Right. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they have made. So they have made it to the wedding. Yes. And now we have to get past Lisa. Now we have to get the bride. Yes. 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 yes, yes. Who has basically been left Lost at the shit. altar. Yep. 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 We have to get Lisa back on board. Yes. So we leave it to Mike. Yes. And eventually Slim to go into to sell her on the to fact go into that the Roland bride's room with all right. the bridesmaids and be like, right. look. He he wants, but that that is the uh, we've we've kind of skimmed over the pizza scene. So when they're waiting for their suits yes, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. to get dry cleaned by the girl from uh whatever a television show wasn't <laughs> I she don't know. the wasn't she from a anyway, different I don't know. Um, well, so one of Lisa's aunts is Aunt Rachel from yeah, Family Matters. Yeah, yeah, doesn't right. have a lot of lines, right. but yes, right. um, <laughs> basically. Uh, so that's the scene, you know, grown up Mike Slim and Roland, Mm -hmm. that really is where they're like, do you want to marry Lisa? Like what is going on? And he's like, no, I love her. And then they call out Mike where we learn that, uh, he let Alicia go to college in New York, go to Columbia when he had gotten into NYU, Mm -hmm. but he chose to stay and go to school in LA. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they kind of call him out on running from love and, you know, all this stuff. And then we learn that Slim went to school for basketball because he loves basketball. And that's the deepest thing we learn about Slim. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's the moment where we where Tay digs mm-hmm. really. He's like, no, I love Lisa. Right. So now we go back and they're like, all right, we're doing this. Are you getting married to Lisa? He's like, I'm, I want to marry Lisa. Even though it means he's probably going to have to leave L.A. So then they go back mm-hmm. to the house. And now we're in. Now, now we're back in the whole wedding now, fiasco. Yeah. And trying to get her, trying to get the bride to understand why Roland had bailed and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it, so the boys, before the ceremony begins, Mike sees Alicia. Roland and Lisa get married. Because they convince her that everything's fine. Mike tells his last childhood memory, and it's when they go to the high school, the homecoming dance for their school. Uh, is that when the bet is revealed? Or there's something about that final scene outside the dance. Am I making? I, I'm I'm a little unclear as to what happens at the homecoming at the end. 
Um, it's before the best man speeches at Roland's yes, wedding. Yes, it is. I yeah. think it is in between. It is in between, if I remember correctly, right. when they get Lisa on board. Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 And yes. then they, you know, because we don't. Maybe it's. Is it right before the ceremony? Yes. Uh, so we, fl- our last kind of flashback is to the scene of yet another dance in high school uh-huh. where they're all, you know, Mike has taken Alicia and she is, you know, she hasn't gone with Eric, her boyfriend at the time. Right, right. She's clearly dumped Eric and they're together now. Mike and Alicia are finally together again. And we have this great scene between the three boys in these great, 90s suits or 80s suits. Yeah. Um, Slims in particular with like the black with the white, like embroidery. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So good. Um, (laughs) And uh, that's where we, they kind of make a kind of personal constitution to always be macking and hanging. Hanging and macking. Hanging and macking. Hanging and macking. And and then we go back to the wedding. They they have their speeches. They have their speech. Oh, shouts. Shout out to Kara Galogli gave me the little um four one one info on the the um uh the person officiating the wedding. Yes. Is I forget his name, but was Rick's USC film professor. Okay. Oh that's awesome. Who I think wrote I think cool. they created this. They wrote it that. together. Um right. and who I guess is still a USC film professor. That's, That's really cool. cool. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so we have a we have a rating system that I think I mentioned to you earlier. Wait, you didn't get to the last scene when he gives his speech. So then Mike gives Sorry. his best man speech. Well, this is the the idea. culminating, yeah, yes, I, I, the big culminating moment. It's. I will say that the best man speech at the end does feel earned. Like you do love these guys by the end and you understand their relationships together. And it does kind of tap into what you were saying earlier as well, about this idea of the people that you stay friends with and and from high school and, and, and how important they are to you. And if you fighting for those friendships, which is very hard to do, um, you know, especially people move and, and keeping in people's lives. It's so I, I did feel, um, I don't know. I felt like it, it, it worked those speeches worked for me yeah, in terms of making me work. understand that. Cause that, kind of like there, there's not a lot said in the speech, but you realize that the film has been the best man's speech, you know, like all of the flashbacks up until that point. Yeah. No, I like that. I never, I never, I guess I didn't really think about it that way. Yeah. I, I think that it's, it's, it's a real kind of shaggy movie. Yeah. Where you're just kind of going on, it, it's it's very sort of um, kind it, of piecemeal together, intentional in its in its pacing, and it's it's not trying to do. I mean, short of a couple beats that feel like they're the vomit or the whatever, like there are set PC things in there, but they're never really dialed up to eleven, so it never feels cheap. I don't know. I think that's very much on purpose. The yeah. not dialing it up to eleven, yeah. of it all. Um, and I think that I think it's set, I think it's set out to tell a pretty relatable story um, about people who don't generally get relatable stories told about. Yeah, them. and I think it succeeds in that. In that, I would fully agree. In that respect, um, however, it's not that high of a bar when it comes to uh, it. It's not that high of a bar creatively, and I think that we've hit upon a bunch of things that maybe would have worked better, but. Um, I don't know. I think we should zero to 99. Let's do it. Let's 
Do you put it all know out how on this the, works on the zero to ninety nine? Put it all out on the line. So I think I I give a a, a, a rating in ninety nine because you saw yeah. it in ninety nine. I don't believe that we did. Okay. I've never seen this before. This um, then a rating before we did this podcast, mm-hmm. and then a rating after we did it, as if those changed. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'll go first. Please. I did not see set it. Set it off. Phil. I didn't. <laughs> or set it up. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I didn't see it in 99. So this is the first time I've watched this. I would say before this podcast, um, I probably would give it about a 67 is where I'm at. It went up after this podcast, but I don't think that it, I found myself a little disconnected from it. Um, and I, I don't know. I, 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 Quite like the performances. I just found that sometimes it just got a little meandering at times. Um, but now I sort of, per our discussion, feel like movies like this need to just be felt and not thought about too much to a certain extent when it comes to plotting and story and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I bumped it up to a 75. Um, it, I think it, I, I feel like I, it's funny, in the previous podcast, or maybe it was the one before, Kenny and I were talking about how if we had the time watching these movies twice would do us a, a big, big totally. service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely, that was helpful to me mm-hmm. that this really made me sort of recontextualize a film, look at it through a different lens. Um, so I, I, that's where I'm at. I'm at a 75. Alex. All right. So I guess when I saw this film, I was, I didn't know how to actually, critique things so uh-huh. it was either zero or a hundred <laughs> so probably when i saw this in 99 it was like a hundred sure um so uh bef- so it's funny you say that we should watch these things twice because i actually watched this in december mm-hmm. I-, I had seen it you know throughout you know yeah. since i saw it in 99 but i had seen it a few times but i hadn't seen it in a while and then i watched it again in december with my 18 year old, or I'm sorry, my 20 year old cousin, mm-hmm. um, who is a huge like rap fan and just like loves, he's a huge also film lover and like love, so he loved it, like absolutely loved it. Um, but I, um, I remembered it, like, I had remembered it, obviously, at, at like, 100, right? Sure. Like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, and then I watched it, when I watched it in December, was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, give it, like, a, maybe, like, a yeah, I would say, like, a 75. Like, definitely, it's, uh, this was not as good as I re- had remembered it, because I think you're left with such an emotional attachment at the end. You're left on such an emotional high note. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, going back, it's like, oh, God, that fourth. You know, I, I kind of just, it, it feels a little, it felt a little rough. It felt like a first film. Um, and then just rewatching it again last night, so it's all fresh, I was like, man, this shit is good. <laughs> um, so I think I'm landing at an 85, that's which a, is high. It's high. I'm giving fair, it a man. really solid, like, this to me could go in the catalog of classics. It's a really good coming of age movie, I'm and it's not one as, that I knew. I'm oh, sorry, I'm not quite as high as you guys. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I was. I, I was a lot lower before this podcast than you guys. I was still above fifty. I remember exactly the conversation I had with my head had in my head about it, which is basically like I feel. I was so I gave it a sixty-one, and I felt like I was kind of on that like 
59-60-61 level, and I do think that there's a pretty big difference between a 59 and a 60, almost bigger than any other one one level drop. Because I think this is, 59 is about the highest I would give a movie that I kind of respected but didn't like, and I like it more than that. Like, I like it. I think it's a good movie. Um, but there's a lot about it that I think, you know, I, I, I'm less into the, the shagginess than you are, Phil. Mm. Like, she, like, I... I like that, but I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, and I think you like that. I think I see the, the shagginess and the OCD in me just wants to put everything together. Yeah, I, um, I do think it needs to be tightened. I do yeah. think that there's... But yes, that sorry. being said, yeah. I think this podcast has kind of done some of that for me um, and tied some loose ends oh. together that weren't previously tied, and the whole movie kind of makes more sense to me now than it did before. So I'm bumping it up just a little bit, but up to a 66. Okay. And I think it's a uh, and for me, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not as generous as Phil. For me, <laughs> I think that I think it's a really good movie. I do. I think it's a really I think it's a much better movie for me now than it was when I was watching it. When I was and I've said this to Kenny, sometimes, you know, we're up against it, we're busy people, so these movies can sometimes feel like homework. So when I sat down to watch this, I was like, "Oh good. Hour 40, this should be breezy." And it right. wasn't as breezy as I thought, and it was a little yeah. bit sort of at times I was like, "Please just get where we got to go and you can't watch this movie like that because that's just not how this movie is so i think i was unfair in the way that i watched it so the you know. way we watch movies for this podcast is the worst way to watch this movie <laughs> yes. no for real right. yeah. the best way to watch this movie is one of two ways either to have it on while you're just kind of living your life yep or to really engage with it to the point where like you get over all the bullshitty things that you and i look for when we're like, well, it just makes sense. And where yeah. you catch all the little, the little lines that are just like funny, or yeah, they're that's what like, I mean. yeah, like you to really, really catch like get it inside of it. Yeah, then it works. And once you've done that, then you can kind of watch it without this, like, you know, concern that I'm going to have to talk about it for two hours on a podcast. But right. um, so, yeah, this I, I actually think this movie is the kind of movie that I may revisit in the future with like lower stakes on me. Right. I think part of it too is, and I don't want to speak for you, but for myself anyway, we spent all day sitting in a writer's room talking about plot and character, but like you got 42 minutes, you got six act breaks, whatever it is, you're constantly thinking about, you know, what's the turn? What's the act out? How do I do this? How do I, so you're really just, structure is just beaten into you. And when things don't conform to that, it fucks with you. I totally right. agree with so you. So you're just like, oh, this is, so you're, you're seeing it. If you're watching movies or anything through that lens, it's just it can be a frustrating experience, and that's unfair to the film. Like I can't watch this movie thinking like, well, what's what's the turn? Why isn't something happening? Why isn't something happening? Which I think is 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 just bad in general. So you well, know that the, that's on me for you know. There's an assumption, projecting. and I think this goes back to one of Alex's earliest points, which you know about kind of the 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 amazement American. I'm sorry, the amazement Entertainment Weekly would have when an African-American film would be good. Um, there, every fucking kid who is in film school knows how to structure a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every kid in film school breaks this shit down. They're all obsessed with film to begin with, and then they take classes on them, and then they make student films, and then they write screenplays. And there is this assumption sometimes, I think, with film, certainly young filmmakers people of color, that when you see a movie like The Wood, they don't know what they're doing. I see it in criticism mm-hmm. all the time. 
You know how much guts it takes for a fucking film student to put out a movie that doesn't yeah. conform to three act structure? Yeah. Like yeah. that so that in and of itself now don't it's get me also wrong. It's insulting to think there's no intent behind the thing. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So that in and of itself like I again, I don't mean I, I'm not like reevaluating in the moment. I still think that it has issues with it. I still think that there are like for problems for me, but there is this like basic assumption about some movies, particularly a movie like this, that it's like this is this is a gutsy movie to put out for me. It's it's gutsy mm-hmm. to have it structured the way it's structured and to really be more of a these are the way my memories work. In mm-hmm. almost a Lynchian way, right? And almost that David Lynch like it doesn't matter if it makes sense to you because I know it makes sense. To you know, to that point, I do think this is kind of a really cool first feature. And then he almost reined himself in and made a movie that I can appreciate more in dope that kind of works yeah. better for me mm-hmm. as someone who like sits and like obsesses over A leads to B leads to C leads. I think yeah. that dope is the is kind of the solution to all of our or rather the the fix sure. to the problems that we have with this film. I feel like he went back and perfected yes. the wood with dope. I agree with that. Um, Which may make it a less interesting yeah. film, but it right. is a, to me it's more easily digestible. No, I get it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If I had seen, I had obviously seen Dope after The Wood. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, no. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved Dope. You know, yeah. I loved it. Um, uh, but I was like, oh, it, it's like The Wood. Except like the you know the wood yeah, has like were, this place in my heart you were into as like the a cool film I had. They were an indie band, right? 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 Yeah. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, you like right, this, right, but right, I've, yeah. I've, I've been listening yeah. to this right, shit right, since right, you know right. 1999, right? Um, and so, you know, I think dope. You know, they like kind of use a little bit of high class tropes. You know, yeah. like uh, and uh, to dope make is it also just flashier. I mean, it's for, fla- for if, yeah. If, he had if nothing else. Totally. That's what makes it sort of a little bit more. Yeah. It grabs you a little bit more. It's trying to pull you in. I think that the wood is a totally different level of confidence, of feeling like, I don't need to do this. You're going to want to hang out with these guys. So it's just, it's just, it's sort of two sides yeah. of a coin. But. Um, but yeah, no, I love Dope. And I love that it reinvigorated Rick's career because I think he is outstanding. Yeah, no, he's, he's, I think it's, I, he's doing um, Children of Blood and, yeah. which I'm very curious to see about that. Um, so next week. We are doing Princess Mononoke. Oh. Sure are. Is that a Phil Fave? That strikes uh, yes, me no, as a I, Phil I, Fave. No, I love Princess Mononoke. We're, Phil we're, we're, do, we're, do we uh, do Phil Faves with a PH? <laughs> <laughs> Not if I have anything to say about it. Wait, Kenny, has Phil told you about oh, our no. annual no, game that we do? No, I got to hear about this. Okay, so it's really funny. I just can't partake in it, unfortunately. <laughs> I just have to watch it happen. Um, oh, I'd like to be so, a part of it. Okay, well, we'll You'll get you in on this. So, um... We're on like a sort of email chain of a bunch of the Ex-UTA of our class yeah. at UTA, um, and uh, on Phil's birthday, we go through and and put Phil's. We find uh, film titles or TV titles of the year and put and put Phil's name. Into inside it, them. inside them, and <laughs> so I, it's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> but it is it's so nice. I, give it's it a nice, go, like the filverit, uh, or yes, yes, you know, yes. like let me see if I can find them. Yeah. so I can. I it can just, oh, it's Phil. It's my favorite day of the year. <laughs> it sounds like my they favorite re- day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> they do, they do it every year, and I don't. 
Um, I, I will. I, or, I will try to yeah, find them. Right. But, um, or 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 is Cove somehow like? Yeah, pieces it's, of it's it's definitely um, part of. Yeah, I have to. I'll find it. But um, yes, it's a lot of fun. Uh, that I cannot partake in and just, to, and just have to watch as this as this transpires. But it's not at your expense. It is a tribute it's not, to you. It, it really is. is. It is it's not it very really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It is not at my expense. I'm trying to see if I'm I can find I'm very jealous thing. of that. I wonder what the wood would be would translate into as the like the 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 cove. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's perfect. The cove. Probably. I guess that's that seems <laughs> the right. The cove. Um, I will find them off mic uh, but, and I will I will I'll show you some. Uh, They're pretty fantastic. Princess Mononoke? Princess Princess Mononoke with uh Miguel Jerome. Florences Mononoke? Mononoke. No. Uh Princess Mononoke. Next week we have one of the animators from Spider-Verse, Miguel Jerome coming on for that. My favorite film. Um which is awesome and I, you know, um can't wait to to talk to an animation a person who works in animation about that film because yeah, it is a too. breathtaking movie and just to talk about Miyazaki in general I think it's going to just be a blast it's going to be so, awesome so I'm really excited about that so what a year week, what a year yeah Alex thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me guys I would I would okay. love to awesome. yeah. this was great this was fantastic you great. really you really stand for your movie yeah so, you really yes. fought you fought hard yeah it was great thanks um, guys are you on Twitter? You're not really on Twitter. Or any of these I'm not things. on Twitter. You're on Instagram. I mean, it, I'm there, but I just use it to get set okay. times off of Scene Star uh, when I'm going <laughs> to a show. That's literally the only thing I use Twitter for. Um, so you have nothing to plug other than all your clients. I, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. And I have no clients who worked on the wood. Unfortunately. Um, or maybe fortunately, and that we said that it was not a very visual I did have clients who uh, worked on dope. So oh, yeah, yeah cool. good, no, clients turned friends who worked on dope. But um, uh, follow me on Instagram, Alex H Amin. There you go. That's where I exist in the <laughs> social in the social meds. Uh, I am at PM Iscove on Instagram and Twitter. Kenny is at Nybart. We are at Podcast Like Nineteen Ninety Nine. You know, I, I unfollowed four hundred people on Twitter. Congrats! Yeah, I don't know. thank you. I appreciate. I hope none of them were listeners. <laughs> you 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 condoed your they, Twitter. Yeah, yeah Marie Kondo just Twitter. I, re- I did. I, nothing sparks joy except. My and you're friends. off Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I deactivated. I'm I'm close to deactivating. Uh-huh. I I've cl- I've gotten I, all the birthdays off that are important. I, just, I don't. I, and I, I'm I'm see my whole thing is I want to delete. I don't just want to deactivate. So I'm it takes a lot. I need to get the it, pictures it, off. It's just oh, the I pictures. don't. I think my pictures. I, I never I never really engage, but like. I haven't looked back at all. Facebook is. I'm going to deactivate. I'm deactivating today. I'm deactivating today. That's how it was. I was just like one day. One day I'm just like that's it. I'm doing it. And then the same thing with Twitter. I was like, you know what? I'm on here too much. I gotta. And and I took it off my phone. It didn't work. Only thing that works is unfollowing all the people that make me go there all the time. But I kept you on, Phil. You're one of my. You're one of my sixty. Thanks, man. Hey, friendship, guys. You're one of my fave sixty. You are hanging and macking. We're macking and hanging. Macking and hanging. Macking and hanging. Thank you so much for listening, Mononoke. Please rate, review, subscribe. Thanks.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.